Ending hunger, poverty and reducing inequality will take a whole lot more than what has been business as usual for us. That's why at the Local Development Research Institute, we're bringing African voices to share with us their take on what the future holds. This is the next African Agenda. You are. I'm joined today by Ahmed Mawi. I've known you for a long time, Ahmed. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for agreeing to do this. Thanks so much, Mashiri. I mean, it's it's um, I mean, we've we've known each other since back in the day when uh, Shahidi I have was uh, was in its infancy. You know, it was um, it's been quite a it's been quite a while, I guess. It's been quite a journey. Yeah. And now you have a new gig. Um, I see you're the uh, vice president for. Uh, engineering at Streamlytics. Yes. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long journey and I thought maybe we could start off, you know, just sharing a little bit about um, what that journey has, has looked at. You know, how did you get here uh, from yeah, so back in the day when we were around, at IHUB? Yeah, somewhere around 2010, 2011, isn't it? Um, those yeah. were the first days, I guess, for the iHub. Um, it was it was a new thing. It was a buzz, all that. So what happened is, um, I started coming over to the uh, iHub as uh, mostly just uh, volunteering for things, um, and uh, uh, sort of um, there was this time period whereby uh, John Gosia, um, who was uh, at the time who was the director of product for uh, for Swift River at Ushahidi. Um, they came over to Nairobi to do an event at the iHub um, to sort of do developer sensitization. And uh, he was accompanied by Matthew Griffith. So like um, I got to meet him and I got to meet the guys. And then like um, they were looking for volunteers to do some of what was known as Swift uh, River plugins, which I contributed to. So um, that led to me getting on board at, uh, into Shahidi with Swift River and then on and uh, later on, um, uh, later on um, in the later years, um, forming Swahili Box and then uh, getting to do, uh, got to Al Jazeera full time. I started with AJ Plus and then went into Al Jazeera full time um, uh, in Doha and then uh, moving on from that point. Yeah, and, so, um, I mean, that was, those are some big brands there. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I, I was, I was quite, I was quite fascinated at the time. I remember by Swift River and the premise behind it. You know, yeah. to be able to take this, uh, you know, firehose of, of, of social media yeah. data and, and, and process it. I yeah. think that was probably my first uh, closer interaction with big data. Uh, yeah. What was that like for you? I mean, had you dealt with data at that volume <laughs> and that velocity before? I had never. In fact, um, I remember like um, uh, technologies that were making sense of streaming data, like from technologies like Twitter and from social media, were quite were quite a new thing at the time. Especially um, the fact that uh, Swift River was conceived uh, to deal with um, situations like um, Haiti and all that, when there was a big crisis in Haiti, 
and Rushahidi had this data stream that was uh, trying to uh, make sense of all the crowdsourced data that they were getting from the, the various channels. But then, because the volunteers inside a room were very little to deal with this data, they had to have a sort of a way to create an intelligent algorithm to sift all this data and to make, make sure that um, the data's most relevant sort, sort of comes to the top. And that was what Sifribo was supposed to do, you know. What was what what it um, like now, fast forward a few years later, you're at AJ. Um, so Al Jazeera, big media organization, big budgets. Um, yeah. What, what was, what, what kind of experience did you bring into AJ um, and AJ Stream? Uh, so with Al Jazeera, I got involved in two major, I can say three major initiatives, yeah? The first one that I got involved in was AJ Plus, which we were the team that was a pioneer team that developed the streaming platforms for AJ Plus. Um, so we started with AJ Plus since its infancy and we built AJ Plus technology to become what it is. And uh, that included developing all the backends, the media workflows, you know, and uh, uh, OTA, um, streaming, all that so like um we built the infrastructure that was end to end from uh from from ingest of media to production to uh to to, to sort of to otn to um stream out you know um so we so we built all that infrastructure as a team the first team to ever do that for ag plus and then um we got into data engineering where what we did is uh we took uh, all the analytics we could from this the platforms that we were distributing the media from and making sense of all that data. Um, so that's where the big data started. Uh, we started doing the big data projects at AJ+. So later on, moved to the network itself in Doha, and I was involved in two initiatives. There was a digital initiative, which is um, uh, included the websites. I, I, even, I, I even did the latest iteration of the Android app, which is on the Play Store. That was my work majorly. And uh, and then uh, moved on to doing uh, moved on to, to to now broadcast. In the last year, I was there, and we did AI on media archive, um, which included uh, metadata enrichment, all those things, together with teams from Microsoft and Azure, um, and making to use of the cognitive services tools. Uh, so we we worked to digitize the entire media archive. Um, not, not that it was not digital, but to, to sort of digitize the metadata from an AI perspective and metadata and reach the, the media archive that was there for the 20 years that Al Jazeera has existed, you know. And uh, that included um, uh, making sure that the data, uh, the data has information like uh, we, we, we do transcription, we do... Um, do we, we we sort of make sure we detect what entities are in in the videos at what periods of time um, and sort of that that, that includes so for instance what people are were in these videos uh, what were the landmarks what were the locations all these things and to to enrich the data set that we had for, for, for that media so that we can create a more intelligent archive system for media oh that sounds fascinating so just um, just like that, you had a, an algorithm that went through this huge archive and said, oh, that's a video with Mushiri in it, and that's 
a video without yes. him in it. And that's the world trade. And like even like actions, including like, is he, ha- is he shaking hands? Does he have a red tie? Is he is, wearing a white suit? So uh, all the what, way there. Facial expressions, did you get there? Is he happy? Is he yes. sad? Yes, yes. So we could also try to check and see uh, facial expressions and that adds to the enrichment process, you know. So, and we really worked very closely with Microsoft and their cognitive services tools when we were doing all these projects. So. That's, um, I mean, that, that's, you know, kind of, kind of tells me that, you know, my small problems here trying to figure out how to catalog my, my photographs and create a better archive. This sounds yeah. like, you know, you guys already built that tech. It's already there. Well, the tech is already there. It's just for us to consume it. And um, I guess Microsoft had a lot of tools together with, um, uh, like um, platforms like Databricks and all this, like um, on the Azure platform. So like the Azure tools mm. comprehensively used to do, deal with all these things, you know. And I think since I was there and I left, which is around 2018, up until now, the tools for Microsoft have have vastly improved when you talk about the intelligence in the media, in, in, in media, in media processing. Um, so it was quite a good experience, to be honest. You know, and we, we ended up also doing, um, we ended up sort of um, carrying out an event as Al Jazeera known as the Future of Media Leaders Summit. And uh, in, in those events, we sort of, um, together with Microsoft, we showcased the sort of the, the things that we were doing. And we had in the room guys from the BBC, Fox, you know, and all these leading media houses around the world. Um, some of them coming to t- talk about the enrichment experience, their AI experience, uh, the media processing experience, um, and all the way to, to topics like um, cybersecurity and all that, like a mix of topics around how AI is impacting the media industry in totality. Um, so it was quite interesting, you know. Um, of all the stuff you've since done, you know, from Swift River all the way to Streamlytics, um, what have been the most interesting data sources for you uh, in terms of, you know, uh, big data? Yeah, so for me, I guess, um, it was quite interesting when I when we started doing AI on media. That was like the sweetest thing I've, I've ever gotten into, um, because um, the impact for that is really profound. Especially if you talk about an organization like Al Jazeera, where they had uh, they had uh, <clears throat> they had film and media in in all angles, like from documentaries to like um, news to special programs to all these sort of things. And like the impact you can create by sort of um, enabling artificial intelligence uh, on that and uh, getting uh, enriched data because of artificial intelligence, it's sort of like um, that I think was, was the most interesting project when you're talking about big data you ever got involved in. Taking into consideration also like media items are really heavy and really huge and how you sort of um, uh, ease the process for people to be able to, um, to, to work with that media because it's enriched in metadata, you know, um, simplifies a lot of things in the pipeline. 
Um, and I, I, I can see, you know, also the challenge that exists, you know, that would make Al Jazeera big media house, you know, say to yeah. itself, you know, there's got to be a better way of doing this. Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking also in the context of, you know, local African media houses, you know, there's a likelihood that, you know, that's a pain that is felt um, across the industry, also in, in Africa, but I would, I, would, I, would, I would guess that, you know, 99% of the media houses in Africa probably can't match up to the financial muscle that Al Jazeera has. Uh, of all these tools... Quite investment. Yes, yeah. I mean, of all the tools that, um, that, that, that you guys built out and the technologies that you're able to develop, um, do you think some of these uh, are now accessible to um, uh, media organizations in developing countries with constrained budgets but still having the same pain? Uh, is, did, did any yeah. of that make its way out into the open or is it all still proprietary tech? So, in fact, um, if we compare what's out there, like, like um, Al Jazeera's, Al Jazeera, you can say, isn't as comprehensive as other media organizations. So you think about it. If you look at, uh, for instance, um, BBC, which they have an R&D wing and they're actively pursuing um, enrichment for their media. BBC has close to 50 years worth of archive and it's not just on TV, it's on documentary, it's on radio, it's on all the other media items that they're sort of um, uh, around there. And you, you, you have to consider the fact that also when they do have like radio and TV and all that, they segment their markets. So Al Jazeera is just a single stream, it's 20 years, and uh, their programming is not as comprehensive as BBC is, you know, and BBC is close to 50 plus years, you know. Um, so there, there are opportunity spaces for local media houses, and uh, it would entail them uh, doing something uh, about it and not doing nothing about it. So you could you could take s small steps. You know, you could take small steps to realize to realize uh, the potential um, that media houses in Africa can 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 take advantage of. And to be honest, I. I I do believe like media houses do have the budgets to do something about their, their content, you know, um, because uh, when this technology becomes a lot more mainstream with players like Microsoft or Google and all that, they start thinking about economies of scale, which is um, how, do they, how do they reach a broad audience of people? Um, and their prices are then a lot more subsidized when you talk about that. So like, it doesn't become totally unachievable because I believe media houses do have uh, proper budgets to do something about it and not do nothing about it. But they have to take steps gradually, and I think um, the steps are not being taken. You know, and I suppose the opportunities to 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 join forces and collaborate rather than trying to innovate in you yeah. know, on silos. I'm I'm thinking yeah. about you know East Africa, for instance. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the print media um, historically, you know, struggled. Okay, not not so far back in time, but with yeah. the advent of technology, the internet, um, you know, social media. Uh, now you you get the news as it happens. That reduces, yeah. you know, the attraction for for 
you know, forking out some money to buy a newspaper the following day when you already read it online or you already saw the yeah. news on Twitter as it happened. Um, so meaning they've had to they've had to figure out new ways of generating revenue um, from, from the digital um, properties, uh, you know, and not relying, you know, so heavily on, on print and print advertising. But, yeah. uh, you know, the amounts of uh, investments that are needed for, you know, the kind of innovation we're talking about might mean that they, they might need to join hands with other media houses. Yeah. You know, find ways so, of catalyzing. Yeah, this, this is the thing, yeah? This is the thing. You see, um, you see uh, what, what, what I think to some degree, and um, this is something that I always try to sensitize individuals in this market about. To some degree, I guess, um, we put in too much silos um, in, in the local market, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at developed markets, you'd find competitors working together. So for instance, um, uh, if we're talking about Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera, like when you look at the uh, Future of Media Leaders Summit that we did, yeah. it wasn't just Al Jazeera that was out there and we we're saying we're the only ones doing it. You know, like uh, we joined forces with other media houses that are doing similar things and they all came to talk about the stuff that they're doing. Um, if you look at the U.S., you, you know, um, and a good example is uh, right now what Microsoft is doing. You know, um, you'd find that Microsoft being a competitor with IBM, being a competitor with Google, being a competitor with big, these big tech organizations, mm. um, still invests in open source technology, uh, which benefits everyone. You know, um, and uh, when push comes to shove, these organizations come together and do things together. You know. And it takes a specific mindset in a market for people to start thinking about doing things that are open source, that are mm-hmm. of high caliber. Um, I mean, I would challenge uh, local organizations that are corporate organizations and ask them what have they done in terms of contributing to open source, which is, you, you, you won't find much success uh, stories around that, you know. There is a lot of opportunity when people collaborate you know, and at the same time, they can still compete, you know, like Microsoft contributing to open source and like doing some initiatives jointly with guys like Google and guys like Mozilla and all these people. And for instance, in the gaming sector, when you're talking about um, Epic Games who manufacture the Unreal Engine, actually funding projects on Godot, which is an open source project. Mm -hmm. You see that sort of mentality and that sort of, um, that sort of, uh, that sort of initiative really develops the whole ecosystem altogether. And end of the day, these people are going to compete anyway. Yeah. But they do a lot of things to collaborate. And I think as a market, we need to think about critically, honestly, like and really change our mindsets around these things. I think we put in too many silos in the process, which is, um, which is, which is detrimental to even the organizations themselves. That's you know? good one, yeah. I think one of the areas that, um, you know, you've, cause you, you mentioned the, um, uh, you know, the engineers and the people who were working at Algeria for H A plus at the time we started. And it, yeah. you know, I'm just wondering if, uh, that level of, you know, capacity building and building out, um, the human capital, uh, that can be yeah. eventually available in the pool for everyone to tap might be an area yeah. where media houses can consider collaborating because if 
if there are only three yeah. or four engineers in in the region um you know who understand how to build out you know technology for ai um that can scrub you know a massive archive uh, to improve yeah. metadata it means that you know there the very limited resource and everyone's fighting for for it but if uh, if media houses are to collaborate on capacity building and education yeah for media it's, technologies then there's a chance that the pool the hr pool expands and everybody benefits from that yeah so you see like for instance um and this happens also in the local market you you find people like google and uh, facebook coming to do events um microsoft like um doing capacity building and all these things you see and you see when they do these things they don't lock people to just use their stuff and to just work with them they just throw them out there to do things but they have the capacity and the knowledge to still deal with their products you see um it's sad that we don't have local organizations that think think with in in such a perspective and what ends up happening is that these same people will still build these platforms on top of facebook and google and you will consume them you know <laughs> so that's, that's true so you know so so like um and and you know like one of the things that i'm still doing up to date is capacity building even with swahili box with uh, some of the initiatives that i'm involved in in mombasa um and other places we sort of capacity build people um not with the intention of them just sticking around and uh, adding value to us you know but um if you look at what we've been able to do is ohidi box we've had people that ended up in andela i have alumni who've ended up at microsoft you know um and uh, working with some of the really high caliber organizations at places like andela and other places you know like um, yeah. even like uh, um like really high caliber organizations so like um our alumni have gone all sorts of places and not just stuck around but you see um this is just a grassroots effort end of the day you know and um i think we have a lot of uh, corporates complaining that there's no talent and uh, a lot of corporates uh you know like um not paying attention to the fact that they need to develop the skills that they need to to consume and not be selfish about it and just do stuff and get people out there but you see at the end of the day um even if you have a turnover rate of 10% of those people coming to do stuff with you that's still something you know yeah. it's better than nothing and um it's 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 a cyclic it's a cyclic thing you know in the market you can do that and when 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 other people join forces to to do the same thing then the same pool of talent is going to rotate around different places but you're going to have a better capacity for these people you know which means that you're going to have the skills that you need on demand you know yeah. um so it's it's really it's really people thinking more broadly about this thing and actually becoming part of a solution you know and yeah, being so proactive about being less uh, i mean being more um uh, you know be, being uh, being less extractive and and being more focused on contributing to to the whole yes. and I, you know one of the things that um because I, i i can see media archives being like a really big source um of data and and also yeah. providing an opportunity for people to really learn about new technologies and improve them yeah. um yeah. you know like facial recognition etc um but yeah. in terms of other um you know potential sources of of big data 
um, from an African perspective, you know, what, what do you see as probably um, the sources that could really get interesting for African countries that are trying to address, uh, you know, the myriad of uh, development challenges that, uh, you know, uh, confront us? Yeah, so one of the things I see in developed economies is, um, is the reliance on data to make decisions about everything. Like, um, you see, like, for instance, when you, you, you have a new startup coming up in Silicon Valley, they could easily get the data to inform the decisions they want to make about products. But then, when you come to these markets, there's a big lack of data, you know, um, in terms of um, that can help organizations, even startups, become strategic in what they're trying to do. So, um, first of all, what is important is to build a database. And that database has to not be in control of specific entities, like uh, in the spirit of GDPR, you know, like have things to be uh, not siloed when, when you collect the data not to be siloed, but to have the data conform to privacy, conform to all these things, but then have the data available, then that can inform a lot of AI initiatives. So the AI initiatives that can come up to sort of, um, uh, you know, you're talking about provision of public services, you know, by the governments. The governments can then understand how to, how, where, where there's a gap, where they can do better, you know. Um, uh, and uh, and I, I think, we really face a huge crisis in Africa when it comes to service provision, you know, um, because, um, and one of the major factors is because we don't, we're not very much informed <clears throat> about what we need to do and how we need to do it. And uh, data can solve a big part of the problem. And the uh, data can also solve, um, can also help a lot of uh, startups mushroom to solve Africa level problems, you know, because at the moment, we're not very good at detecting what's wrong. I mean, we, we can sense what's wrong, but we can't exactly detect exactly what is wrong uh, from a data perspective. Um, and then organizations can come up to solve a problem like that, you know, to solve a problem like that because um, data is easily available to, for them to make uh, informed choices about what they can do. So it can really boost economic development if you have a lot of um, organizations and startups that can can work with data and can be able to learn from the data and come up with uh, artificial intelligence from it, you know? Yeah. I think one of the things that we've flagged internally here is that there's a shortage of training data. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, people <clears throat> who are actually trying to learn about these new technologies can't find... Um, Depending on what sector they are working on, they can't find they can't find the data sets that they need to train their algorithms and and improve them. Yeah, and it needs to be a collaborative initiative. You know, like yeah. um, it can be it can be something we say the government has to own it. We have to all own own it, and we have to be generous also. Um, yeah. So if organizations get into this, we have to get into it with the spirit of being generous also with the data, even if it means being generous from a business perspective in terms of. Um, okay, we have this data. We can uh, we can we can give you analytics at a at a cost. You know, mm -hmm. so people have to be generous about the data they have. Um, it's it's not a competitive advantage when you hold the data and everyone else is holding it and you just have no clue what's going on. It doesn't help anyone. It won't That's be a competitive true. advantage to anyone in the end. <clears throat> so, um, 
I guess a lot of things have to be done in that regard. Yeah, yeah. one of the things that really helps is when people have a common enemy uh, to confront. Uh, and right now we have, you know, I suppose, in my view, COVID-19, um, while presenting probably one of the biggest threats to humanity, is also providing the incentive for people to get around the table and, uh, yeah. you know, and at least perforate the silos, yeah. if not, uh, you know, completely d- dismantle them. Um, and yeah. kind of create opportunities for collaboration, even within the private sector, that tends to be very competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I guess, I guess we we need to, as 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 corporates, as individuals, as Africans, we need to stop complaining, mm-hmm. and we need to start thinking about how to solve the problems. You see. <clears throat> one of the things you admire also in developed markets is how people volunteer their time to do things, you know. Um, you see, the, I find it ironic that in developed markets, people actually have time to volunteer to do things for free and the income is a lot more, you know. Um, and the perception we have in, in local markets is that when you volunteer time, you're, you're, you're misusing, you're misusing your, yourself. You know, and in actual sense, African countries need a lot of people to volunteer their time to do the to do the right things. You know, um, we need people who are like heroes who can step out and say, you know, we need to volunteer some time to solve specific problems, even if it's for free. You know, but then yeah. you don't find it here when it's 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 much of a big need, but you find it in developed countries where people have disposable income, which is quite yeah. ironic. No. And I think, you know, um, traditionally, um, Africans have been, you know, the whole idea of takes a village to do the child, uh, you know, speaks to that volunteering spirit that's kind of in our DNA. Uh, but I think at some level, yeah. some level things change. So I think maybe one of the areas that, you know, at least internally at LTI, we're really thinking about is this the issue around um, uh, the human capital and, and building up that HR talent tool. Yeah, uh, and not just yeah. for the private sector, but also for the public sector, um, and also yeah. trying to figure out, you know, how do we make it possible for those uh, innovators and and learners who are trying to figure out how to make these things work uh, for challenges, uh, for AI, big data, whatever, um, yeah. so they can have access to uh, to the tools and the and the training data to to hone their skills. Um, but I think and I actually have have a story behind that. You know, like yeah, yeah. um. You see, like one of the things that happens in Mombasa is um, there's a there's there's a perception in Mombasa that you know, like um, for instance, we don't have opportunities. Opportunities are not being brought here. You know, opportunities are being centralized. You know, and all that. But when I was starting work in Mombasa, especially like setting up tech communities and all that, and there was totally nothing. I guess that is around close to ten years back. You know, there was totally nothing in Mombasa. And we went and set up tech communities and all that. And it ended up mushrooming to become things like Swahili Box and all that. Mm-hmm. And you'd find that um, we, 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 we proved people wrong, you know. Um, and, and we did this without even getting paid a dime ourselves. And a lot of the money that we got, we actually put into infrastructure we put into, we put into running programs and all that. And we had a and we still have that. We, we had a tight team of people who actually worked 
to make these things run without even getting a salary out of it, you know, yeah, for years. Yeah. And I, I, I remember I came to those visit. People, yeah, those people can be credited for time. taking Mombasa to the next level. And it included people like Ali Salim, it included people like Ajara, you know, it included people who are called to Swahili box team um, at the time, you know, and, um, and uh, like the amount of sacrifice that people put in and that just transformed Mombasa and it led to people um, people uh, ending up at places like Microsoft, you know, people ending mm-hmm. up at places like Andal and all that. So opportunity spaces were created. You see, like, we just have to have a volunteering spirit sometimes, you know. That's true. Because in Africa, no one is going to solve our problems. Uh, you, can't expect, you can't expect there's going to be aid agencies, you know, coming to solve African problems. We have to solve these problems ourselves, you know. And we have yeah, to put true. in the time to solve these problems, you know. Yeah. Um, so if, if, to be honest, if we're not thinking about doing things to give back to community, then we will always be in a cyclic loop where we always tell ourselves that, or we always lament, lament and complain about the problems we're facing, nothing is gonna happen because no one's gonna help us, you know? So we have to be proactive about these things and we have to have a spirit where we give back and start solving these problems ourselves. Um, so I mean, you've you've, uh, you've 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 spent a great deal of time um, in social impact um, enterprises like Ushahidi, um, and then also now yeah. in you know more commercial spaces. And you know your 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 feet you're still deeply rooted in Africa, despite the fact that you've worked for and and abroad. You've worked for organizations abroad and worked um, uh, actually had to relocate and work abroad. Um, but yeah. from where you sit. Um, what do you think are the big future trends for AI and big data in Africa? What are you seeing, you know, coming up next? I think service provision. Media can become one of those things that can, can be impacted, yes, and they can create a huge impact if, if we impact media. Mm-hmm. But that's just one of the things, you know, um, and media becomes a lot more about consumption, entertainment, about... Um, uh, about uh, maybe even uh, research and uh, I think the impactful area media 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 enrichment can 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 eventually end up becoming a huge deal in as in uh, the area can it can impact a lot more um, is in the area of research and intelligence about the market itself you know so people can easily be able to do research from archive you know but then uh, I think there's a lot of things around service provision and uh, quality of service, you know, and um, we're a market that uh, we sign contracts on SLA, but never really follow through, you know, Um, you know, like service provision and all that can really improve once the data is becoming richer. And like, uh, I guess it would open up a lot of doors of opportunities for organizations to come up and solve problems based on informed decisions because data helps us get informed decisions in place you know yeah um so so it and if we have policies and uh, i think this is somewhere where the government can really help if we have policies that can really help startups thrive you know incentivize startups you know um, and create conducive environments for them to to have an easy start you know not to have a very rough start especially when you're talking about things like taxation and all that and uh, subsidize subsidies in various forms, you know, yeah. 
and then put in put in uh, data, big data in the mix, big data and uh, uh, machine learning in the mix. I think there's a lot of potential that can come out of that for the economy to grow, you know, um, in, and and uh, having more people set up business. I think um, you you'd find it that a trend that um, the most developed economies actually have more people setting up uh, SMEs, you know, um, a lot of people setting up businesses, a lot of startups coming up and all that. That's a common trend with a lot of developing countries. And we have to encourage that trend for us to become a strong economy, you know. Yeah, I, I can clearly see, you know, um, how, you know, that media and AI uh, Nexus, you know, is presenting an interesting new frontier for yeah. uh, for the tech industry here, and I suppose it's probably one of the biggest uh, um, areas to look out for um, in the in the yeah. short term. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Ahmed. This has been absolutely amazing. Uh, the, uh, the 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 insights on on media. I think there are. Uh, a lot of organizations that were working uh, in the non-profit space uh, that hold huge amounts of content and are still struggling to figure out how to make sense of it. Um, and I think you've, you've just, you know, uh, uh, ignited new sparks of ideas in terms of what is possible to help people make better decisions with the data they already have. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And congratulations once again on your new gig at Stimulatics, VP Engineering. Uh, and we look forward to hearing more from you. No problem. Um, thanks so much. Been a pleasure. Excellent. Talk to you again soon. Huh? Thank you.